Since the beginning, members of the NC Advocates for Justice have been raising their voices, speaking out on behalf of those who go unheard, joining their voices to oppose injustice and support fair treatment for everyone under the law. With this podcast, Voices of NCAJ, we'll listen to those members, lawyers and legal professionals who founded the organization, whose dedication and energy kept it going and guided it through growth, change and challenges. Each conversation will inspire us to meet the future with a unified voice that channels the strengths and accomplishments of our organization. Welcome to Voices of NCAJ. I'm your host, Amber Nimix. As communications and marketing manager for the North Carolina Advocates for Justice, part of my job is to train a spotlight on the people who make NCAJ great. Before we kick that off today, I'd like to remind you that our podcast is edited and engineered by our friends at Law Pods, a professional audio production company focused on helping lawyers make great sounding podcasts. They sweat all the details so you concentrate on the content. If you're thinking about podcasting, check them out at lawpods.com. They've made podcasting a breeze for us. This year marks NCAJ's 60th anniversary, and in this first season of the podcast, we are celebrating the organization's past, present, and future. My guest today has had a front row seat for all of these eras. Helen Bedore is a personal injury lawyer with Johnson & Groninger PLLC in Charlotte. She graduated from UNC Chapel Hill with a journalism degree before she earned her law degree at NC Central University School of Law. Helen is the immediate past chair of the Women's Caucus, currently serves as co-chair for legislative affairs for the Auditorts and Premises Liability Section, and has been nominated for election to the NCAJ Board of Governors for a term beginning this year. Helen is also doing tremendous work helping NCAJ plan annual convention which will be held in Charlotte in June. It's the first time members have been able to meet in person for a convention since 2019, and the first time ever that the event has been held in the Queen City. Helen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Amber. You have a long history with NCAJ, what used to be the North Carolina Academy of Trial Lawyers, having grown up in the organization. Can you tell us about that? Well, my first convention was in 1989. I was one year old. Wow. And I went to every single convention after that, except one. there's only one year I've ever missed convention. It was the summer that I was studying for the bar exam. So I think I had a pretty good excuse to miss that convention, but it's the only one I've ever missed. In fact, there was a year We were trying to figure it out. I was talking to my parents about it last night. There was a year when my dad was in the state legislature and he was stuck in Raleigh, but he had already paid for his registration fee to the convention. And so my mom and I went down there without him. We we went to the convention anyway. I think he made it for one night, but mom and I had our own friends and people that we wanted to see and we didn't want to miss the convention. So we actually went without my dad. Wow. And so as a kid, I went every summer to the, at the time, it was the North Carolina Academy of Trial Lawyers, of course, every summer down to Ocean Creek in Myrtle Beach. And I made a bunch of friends. There used to be the Kids Club. And the organization uh, funded this Kids Club for the children of the members we don't have that anymore. And um, Peggy Abrams always says it's because of uh, the insurance costs so much. 
<laughs> but we used to have it. And, and I met a lot of really great friends there. And I just looked forward to seeing my friends every summer at the kids club. And as I got older, I um, wanted to go back to see the people. I started meeting the actual lawyers. You know, I was a young adult and I would be hanging by the pool with my mom while my dad was in meetings and different people would come out and say hello. And I got to know lawyers like Mark Sumwalt and Janet Ward Black. I remember one summer, Anne-Marie Pantazis was very friendly to me and reached out to me and wanted to talk with me. I remember meeting Valerie Johnson, who's now my boss, and Joe Cheshire and David Kirby, folks who have really been great role models and mentors to me uh, through the years. So then once I went to law school, I was like, well, I got to keep going to the NCAJ convention because now these people might be my peers and my colleagues. So yeah, I, every year I wanted to go. I I don't know, even when I was in college and didn't have to go, I, I still wanted to go to convention up all the way through becoming a lawyer myself. That's amazing. I think you definitely win the um, win the title for uh, for most conventions attended consecutively. So, for folks who might not know, tell us about your your dad and why you started going when you were one year old with your father. Who's your dad? My dad is Phil Bedore. Uh, he is a personal injury lawyer, workers' comp lawyer in Goldsboro, North Carolina, where I grew up. He is actually turning 80 years old this year. And I believe he's been a member of this organization close to 50 years. He probably wouldn't love me pointing this out, but he may be the oldest active member right now. Oh, we'll um, have to check that organization, out. Yeah, it, it's, it's really um, kind of remarkable. But I think, Amber, that he has been a member for so long and so dedicated because he loves this organization. My dad is involved in a lot of different groups um, throughout the state. He served in the state legislature from 1992 through 2002, and he was the majority leader for a couple of terms and has had a lot of involvement in the state. But I can tell you, because he's told me, that this organization is the most important group that he's a part of. And I think his love for these people and this work really inspired me to be involved with this group. I've, I've always felt a connection to this organization because of the people. And I really think that's because of my dad. Right. And you you shared in your application for our, our next program a, a memory of... Um, of when you decided to pursue a career in the law. And that was at convention? It was. I will tell you kind of a little bit longer version than was printed in, in the magazine, but it was 2010. I had just graduated from Chapel Hill with a degree in journalism, and I thought I was going to be a political communications person. My focus had been public relations, and I was really interested I had interned in the governor's press office in college. I was interested in politics and government. But I was, through my internships, already starting to realize that I wasn't sure if I wanted to write about the person who had her hand in solving the problem. Perhaps I wanted to have my hand in solving the problem. Right. 
And so I was already thinking about law school. Is this something I should do? And I had already announced to my family I, I wanted to take a year off after undergrad and, and work and consider taking the LSAT and going to law school. And my family of lawyers, I have my father and my brother and my sister-in-law and a couple of cousins are all lawyers. They all tried to talk me out of it. Really? And they and I think that they were just, they did. They I think they were worried that I just wanted to go to law school and have the title of a lawyer, but I hadn't really articulated why I wanted to be a lawyer. And the truth is, I think that I didn't really know. I just thought I did. I couldn't put my finger on it. So fast forward to summer of 2010, and it was my first job out of undergrad. I was working on a U.S. Senate campaign, and I was traveling the state as the traveling press secretary. And I had to make a pit stop in Wilmington, North Carolina in early to mid-June because the NCAJ, uh, it was now NCAJ, mm-hmm. uh, convention was going on. And as you know, I'm not going to miss a convention. <laughs> so. But this convention was particularly special because my dad was becoming the president. It was his year that he would he would be named the incoming president of the organization. So I was at the gala and David Pishko, who had been the president right before my dad, gave a speech. And my dad gave a speech. And I know there were other speeches that night as well. And I just remember listening so intently on, on these speeches and the things that they were saying. And I had a real moment where I I said to myself, I do want to be a lawyer and not just any type of lawyer. I want to be a trial lawyer. Wow. It was like, it was right in front of me all along. These people, this career, the fight for justice, being the voice for people who have been wronged, all of that. I had been around it my whole life. And obviously I was drawn to the community but I never really understood why until I was sitting there that night and thinking about what I was going to do with my life and my career. And it just all came together for me that night. And I was like, I get it now. This is what I'm going to do. And I never looked back. Wow. That is, that is such a, a special, amazing memory. I hope that there are other, and I'm sure that there are people who have similar like memories like that of convention. And it's, amazing. It's really cool that your experience has sort of come full circle because this year you're helping plan the convention. How did you get recruited for this job? Well, I don't know if I was so much uh, recruited as I accidentally volunteered for it. Right. I sat on, I can't remember the specific name, but I think it was like the special events committee. There was a committee that formed during the pandemic to kind of re-look at the the way we were doing convention and other special events. And I I did volunteer to be on that committee because the convention has been such an important thing in my life and now my career. And I will say what's to me what's so special about convention is that it's a chance to to be with all these people across the state that I care so much about. These lawyers, uh, we're all in this together. And I think that's what makes the organization special is because we all want to see each other succeed. And when my neighbor trial lawyer friend succeeds, I succeed. We all bring each other up. In convention is the best time to get together and, and see each other face to face and get to catch up and you see your friends and 
you have your, you know, CLEs and and all of this. So I really wanted to have a voice in helping decide what the future of convention would be. So long story short, and it is a long story, I will spare you, but we ultimately landed on having the convention in Charlotte, which is the first time it hasn't been on the coast of North North Carolina or South Carolina. It's the first time it hasn't been somewhere at the beach. And I live in Charlotte. I moved to Charlotte in 2017. And I just really wanted to make sure that the convention in Charlotte would be a big hit. So I emailed Kim and said, you know, I'm happy to suggest restaurants or places to go in in Charlotte when people come. And I walked right into it. Kim said, well, why don't you just be a (laughs) co-chair? And I was like, oh, Lord, I guess I, I walked myself right into that. So I did talk my friend and colleague Sam McGee into helping me. And we've had a really great time planning it. We have a little crew of Dilworth lawyers who get together every couple of weeks for a happy hour. Uh So we called on them to help us with ideas. And we've just had a really fun time planning it. And the staff has been, the the NCAJ staff has been so enthusiastic about our, our ideas and bringing these ideas to life. And so it's just been a really fun experience planning this, this convention. And I will add, it's the first convention in two years. This is going to be such a, a wonderful time to reconnect with everyone. And I think there's going to be a lot of energy in the room. Yeah, we are super, super excited to all be able to be together again and and also to to explore Charlotte and have the energy of a new place. A lot of traditions will remain, but we're going to, you know, trying to shake things up and as as Kim said, more parties, fewer speeches. I think is the is the mantra for this year. Uh, what are what do you uh, see as the highlights? What are you most looking forward to? Well, of course, the one main purpose of convention is to get together and have your continuing legal education, and I think the programming for that is going to be great. But my role has been mostly planning the social events. So I will share with you some of those events. The opening night, which is Thursday, June 16th, the welcome ceremony and the opening party is at the Knights Baseball Stadium, which is just blocks from the hotel in Uptown Charlotte. And we'll enjoy dinner on a patio and get to watch some baseball and get to catch up with all of our friends we haven't seen in a couple of years. So I'm really excited about that event. Friday is, it's kind of in place. If, if folks listening have been to past conventions, there used to be a night called the sunset soiree. Mm -hmm. And it was just basically a dinner and a, and a good opportunity to, you know, talk and hang out. I mean, it's, it's really simple what these members want. We just want to talk to each other and catch up and, (laughs) Right. Tell either about our cases and or just find out what's been going on in everyone's lives. And so Friday night is a great opportunity to do that at Noble Smoke in Charlotte, which is a really delicious barbecue restaurant. And um, from what I hear, the food is going to be really great. And I know the company will be really great. And then the other thing I'm really looking forward to is Saturday night, which would normally be the gala. And and again, folks who have been to convention know or think of that night as a sit-down dinner. And there are many, many speeches. And it's the night that the, pres- the incoming president 
it's his or her first night as president and it's a party. But we wanted to get away from the sit-down dinner and and kind of come up with a new setup for that evening. And so Valerie Johnson, who is my boss and colleague, is going to be the um, incoming president that evening. And Saturday night, I've joked that we're basically throwing Valerie Johnson a wedding reception because there's going to be a band and there are going to be food stations and it's going to be much more people up and and getting to hang out and and dance and hang out with each other as opposed to, you know, eight or 10 people sitting at a table the whole night. It'll be much more interactive. And I really think there's only going to be one or two speeches that night. I think most of the speeches that we're used to hearing at the gala are going to be earlier in the day during the awards ceremony. So I'm excited about this change and we'll see how it goes. But I think what's going to what I'm hoping happens is that we all get to pay attention more to the awards because they're going to be earlier in the day and there's a designated time to give those awards attention. And then at night we can dress up and we can party and we can have fun and we can celebrate. I also want to give a shout out to Sari Delamont, who is the keynote speaker on Friday. Sari is a trial lawyer consultant and has written a wonderful book that's called From Hostage to Hero. In that book, she helps trial lawyers with jury selection and opening statements and closing statements. And she's created a whole community of trial lawyers across the country. And I'm a member of that group from hostage to hero, but I've never met Sari in person. I've only ever seen her on the screen. And so she's going to be here in North Carolina. And, and I hope the members know what a, what a wonderful treat it is to have her come speak to our group. Yeah. Yeah. We're super excited to have Sari with us. And um, it's been a long time coming since we were supposed to, supposed to have her in 2020 and then, you know, the pandemic. And so she's excited to be to be coming and to be able to see us all in person too. I'm I'm psyched for that. So I just want to throw in here real quick, if you want to register for a convention, it's ncaj.com slash convention. It's real easy. Then we're going to hopefully have a really great crowd when we all get signed up and, and get to Charlotte. I wanted to to talk with you a little bit about another NCAJ program that you've been involved in. You're just immersed in the organization this year, I guess, with as being uh, one of the first participants in our next leadership initiative, which is a really terrific group. I've been to a couple of the events led by Jess Everhart, who is our program facilitator. And um, I've been really impressed. Um, what what have you taken away from the the next program so far? Well, this is the inaugural year of the next program. And so I didn't really know what to expect. It sounded really good on paper, but I've been really happy with the programming and I've really enjoyed getting to know Jess and I've really enjoyed getting to know the other members. They call it our cohort. <laughs> so the the other members of our cohort who are young leaders of NCAJ And we've done everything from a diversity and inclusion session. We've met with state legislators, which was really fascinating. The state legislators 
actually really opened up to us and and spoke to us not as a you know just a leadership group but really like if you are interested in being a leader in this state these are the things you need to know they were very candid they didn't sugarcoat things um that was an incredible session um the last session we just had we heard from some of the NCAJ legends like Joe Cheshire and Charles Beckham, uh, Peggy Abrams and Janet Ward Black. And it was, it was Doug Abrams. It was a really, really great session and gave me all the feels. But I think what's, what's really great about the next program is that it's getting new lawyers involved in the organization, but also teaching them leadership skills. And the next session we have coming up, which is next week, is we're going to learn about serving on on a board. And I think that's great because I kind of see the future of the next program being kind of a pipeline to the Board of Governors. And it's a great way for the established members, the members who've been involved over the years and are already serving in leadership positions, to meet younger, newer lawyers and help mentor and bring them up to eventually be the leaders of the organization. The other thing that I'll say I've really enjoyed is there's a mentorship piece to this, and we all get matched with a mentor in NCAJ. I'm very lucky and honored to be matched with Janet Ward Black, who I've known over the years, but it's giving me the opportunity to really get to sit down and talk with her about her career path and and her very successful law firm. And I'm really excited to have that relationship for years to come. And I think I can speak for all the members in my cohort. They I've talked to them extensively about this and they seem really excited to be matched with the mentors that whoever matched us did a really good job is what I'll say. Well, we're super glad that you're having a, a good experience with the next program. And I'm really happy to hear that, that everybody's learning from their mentors and, um, you know, getting a lot out of this program, because you're right, it, it is, it's the future of the, of the organization. One more thing I wanted to talk with you about before you, you go is uh, your fitness blog and your, and your running. I know that uh, that's something you've been committed to for, for a long time. And I was wondering um, how you, your experience of that, uh, of running and the and the blog was during the pandemic. Sure. So I started this fitness blog back when I was practicing law in Goldsboro and I was teaching a boot camp class at the Y and I really wanted an outlet for my writing. And so I, I found a way for my writing, my passion for creative writing and fitness to intersect with each other. And then during that time, I really became a much stronger marathon runner than I had ever been. And that was really the height of my running and writing career. And in 2019, at that point, I had moved to Charlotte. I ran two big marathons in 2019. And to be honest with you, I kind of burned out. Uh Um, I was already planning on 2020 being an off year. And my now husband at the time, fiance, was just ramping up his interest in marathon running. So I was like, well, I'm just going to fall into a supportive role. Uh And then the pandemic happened. And I don't know. I think that was a time a lot of people got interested in running or interested in 
walking or exercise because they were trying to find an outlet for the stress. And for me, I really took that time in early 2020 to just take a really big pause. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed sitting on the couch, drinking coffee and watching the news or meditating instead of getting up at the crack of dawn and running like I always had. Mm -hmm. I kind of went the other way and was just trying to make it through the day. And I did do a little bit of writing in early on in the pandemic. I think where my blog was really going at that point was away from the physical fitness and more towards the mental health, you know, mind-body connection type of topics. Right, right. But then I just kind of stopped writing. So I will say that I am... um, I'm looking in this new 2022, we're coming out of the pandemic. I am interested in picking back up in my training and my writing, but I think that I'd like to find a new focus. And I've played around with the idea of why being a runner makes me a better lawyer and kind of taking that angle. Right, right. Well, that's exciting. I think there's a lot of our, a lot of our members and, and your fellow attorneys who, who feel the same way. So I'm excited to hear what you do with that or see what you do with that on the blog. So will you be at the, uh, at the fun run at the at convention this year? I definitely will be at the fun run 5k. I wouldn't miss it. Although I've, I've been hearing a lot of smack talk from my friends like Sam McGee and Philip Miller and folks who would always go out there with me in past years and I would always beat them. But because I haven't been training like I normally do, I think this might be the year for someone else to take the gold medal. So I'm just going to go out there and have a good time. And, you know, I, I will run, but I, I will also be cheering on, you know, my colleagues and my friends. All right. Well, that that sounds great. I can't believe that those guys are, are smack talking you about running. That's funny. Oh, they always have. <laughs> well, we are so excited for convention. Thank you so much for everything that you have done to to make this event happen and to to reimagine it. And you know, we really NCAJ is is so happy to to have you coming back to convention and to have us all getting back together. So thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for asking me, Amber. I think um, this is an exciting time to be in NCAJ. We have a lot of changes and a lot of new opportunities. And I'm just really excited to be a part of it. Terrific. Thanks, Helen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Voices of NCAJ. For more information on the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and how to join or support NCAJ, please visit our website at www.ncaj.com.